0: Mind dirty stains. Here's my heart, not fit for. As you speak
1: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm so glad you've joined me tonight and I trust that you'll join me as we turn this studio into a church and a sanctuary. I hope you've had a a grand Christmas and that you are ready to prepare for a new year. So would you hear now please the reading of God's word. It comes from Luke's gospel chapter two, beginning at verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned to glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Hear again this verse. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for a moment of prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, which art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Yes, the grand old man in the bright red suit is back at rest again. Christmas gifts have been exchanged and opened. Family members have packed and gone home. Leftovers are in abundance. Even the tree has an outdated look. And carols themselves seem less timely. Though though it's not a day, but a season, and though it extends from Christmas Eve to January 6th, which is epiphany, nevertheless, for many, Christmas 2012 is over. And we come to this particular period with a little note of letdown in our minds and hearts. In the cartoon Baby Blues, the husband says to his wife, I always feel sort of blue after Christmas is over, you know. When all the presents have been unwrapped, the Christmas dishes have been done, and the children are in bed. I think it's called post-holiday syndrome. His wife replied, I just call it relief. And so we all come again to this moment after Christmas with a sense of letdown, a sense of regret. In our scripture lesson, we find some very thought-provoking words. Listen to these. The writer of Luke says, And the shepherds returned. It was the road Back. The shepherds had had their wondrous experience and now it was over. They had been to the manger, but now they had to get back to their humdrum things. Back from a great moment of shining happiness, they must go back to their regular duties of tending sheep. Tonight, this second day after Christmas, I want to speak a little bit about the road back. The road back. And make a few comments. First of all, the road back is more than likely difficult. The road back is more than likely difficult. We're informed in our text that when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Then we are told, and they went with haste, and they went with haste. Now listen to these words, silver moon and a starry night over the hills we sped, walls of Bethlehem gleaming white, villages long abed, Open the gate, O watchman Grimm, open, the dawn is nigh. Christ has been born, and we hasten to him, Reuben and Judah and I. It's so easy to go forward when we're looming ahead with expectation. We travel so much more sprightly when we're looking forward to something. For instance, when we are expecting Christmas, or going home for the holidays, or going on a vacation. Or we find ourselves in the predicament of this woman I read about. This particular woman's husband had passed away and she was expecting to receive all of his estate. But when she got to the lawyer's office, the lawyer said that she was only going to receive five dollars. The secretary was going to get everything else. Naturally, this widow was furious. And so she drove as fast as she could to the tombstone establishment. She went in and she said, I want you to change the wording on my husband's monument. He said... I can't do it. You told me to simply write rest in peace and that's what I have done. If you want me to do it again, you'll have to buy another one. So she thought a minute and she said, you just chisel in after rest in peace till we meet again, till we meet again. So when we find ourselves hastening on the road back, what do we do when the times we look forward to have passed? A man and his grandson were walking on the beach And they passed an old friend of the grandfather, and this man was very disgruntled. Nothing was going right. He said he was suffering from a sunstroke. Well, after the conversation was over and the little grandson and his grandfather were walking along, all of a sudden the little boy turned to his grandfather and he said, Granddaddy, I hope you don't ever suffer from a sunset. That's our problem, isn't it? So much of our unhappiness, so much of our trouble is found on the road back, on the road back. We suffer as we get on the road back. But the truth is, it's only natural that we would have a letdown after Christmas. None of us live on a perpetual high. Life is full of highs and lows. It's full of peaks and valleys. It's full of ups and downs. Hear me now. But the much more serious thing than all of this is the fact that the robust beliefs which the Christmas gospel and Christmas hymns symbolize may also fade. The beautiful, the beautiful poetry of the Christmas spirit often turns into a dull prose. That glorious star that led men and women and children to Bethlehem often disappears. And before we know it, we find ourselves on the road back, not preserving anything of what we've gone through, but abandoning everything abandoning everything. What a terrible, terrible time that is for all of us. Listen to what this man said, Clarence McCarthy, who was a columnist for the Washington Post. He said, too soon the hope and the promise of Christmas dissipates in the clamor and contradictiveness, the anxieties and alienation of our daily lives. The Christmas celebration comes and then is over, and with it fades whatever commitment it may have awakened in us. How true that is. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said years ago he was in one of the department stores on Christmas Eve in New York and he said everybody was snappy. He said the clerks were rude. The customers were tired. He said everybody was just having a tough time. But then he said the organ began to play and they heard the beautiful singing of the choir. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And that was followed by joy to the world. The Lord has come. He said immediately the ruffled Lines on people's faces smoothed out. He said people even welled up in tears. He said when he walked out of that store and he walked up the street to New York, he said it was as if the whole city was singing. Of whom were they singing? Of the tenderest, kindest, best man who ever lived and continues to live, even Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Norman Vincent Peale said, that is a demonstration in miniature of what the world could be if it could hold on to what it experiences at Christmas. Isn't that true, how different the world would be if we could hold on to what we experience at Christmas? That's the truth. A few Christmases ago, in a family, a little girl was going through the pre-hurried days of pre-Christmas activities. They were cooking and going to parties and doing all these things. And the little girl seemed to be always in the wrong place. She was four years of age. Her toys were in the wrong place. And one day, just before Christmas, she was asking her mother some questions. And her mother just simply said, shut up and get out of the way. That little girl in her prayer that night, when she knelt down to pray the Lord's Prayer, when she got to that phrase, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, she said instead, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Now, not many of us would need to pray that prayer before December the 25th, but a lot of us may need to pray it after December the 25th because we will let those robust beliefs of the wonderful Christmas gospel and of the wonderful words of those Christmas hymns fade, and we will abandon everything. The road back is a difficult road, a very difficult road, But then, secondly, the road back can be a place of spiritual rebirth or renewal. It can be a place of spiritual rebirth or renewal. And the shepherds returned, we are told. But how? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Now, that's a marvelous picture. They were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Those ordinary shepherds were taking the manger experience with them back on the road back. And rather than being a road of letdown, it was a road of great spiritual renewal and a road of growth. Now, we cannot camp at Bethlehem. We just simply can't. Life moves on. Jesus didn't stay there, and if we're going to follow him, we can't stay there either. So Bethlehem becomes simply the first step along the way. There's a man named Richard Stearns. He's the president of World Vision. He's written a book called The Hole in Our Gospel. He describes how he came to Christ. He said it was 1974, he was 23. He knelt in his graduate room dormitory beside his bed, and he said he gave his life to Jesus Christ. But he said his decision didn't come easily. He said it was through months of studying, reading, and reading, and praying, and talking to friends, and being influenced by the woman he finally married to be his wife. But this is what he said about that. While at the time I knew very little about the implications of that decision, I knew this, nothing would ever be quite the same again because I had made a promise to Jesus Christ to follow him no matter what. No matter what. After their Bethlehem experience, these shepherds were never quite the same again. They were never quite the same again. A new dimension of life had come upon them. And I'm absolutely convinced if we can just get as far as Bethlehem we ourselves will never be the same again. On a recent Christmas, a friend gave my family the little book that was very interesting by Chris Van Allsburg called The Polar Express. If you've ever read that book, you know it's the story of a young boy on Christmas Eve. Everybody in the town has gone to sleep, but he happens to see a train appear right outside his house. So he goes and boards the train. It's a mysterious train, it's called The Polar Express, and it goes straight to the North Pole. When he gets there, he's talking to Santa Claus, and Santa Claus asks him, what gift does he want? What is the gift does he want? And he says, Santa says, you can have anything. He says, I want the bell on the harness of the reindeer. So the gift was given to him. Well, on the way back, he lost it. He had a hole in his pocket, and he lost the bell. But on Christmas morning, the bell appeared under the Christmas tree. His parents They liked the bell, but they were sorry it had been broken because when he shook the bell, they couldn't hear the sound. They just couldn't hear the sound. But he said, in referencing to the bell himself, he said, we could hear the sound. He said, we could hear it. This is his exact words. Though I've grown old, the bell still sounds for me and for all who believe. I repeat, the shepherds went home glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Now, what did these shepherds take with them that could last? The first thing they took with them was the remembrance of the Word. Remembrance of the Word. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds... They remember the word. Verse 20 simply says this, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard. They remembered the word. Listen to me. We're not going to do very well in the new year in terms of renewal and rebirth if we forget the word. And of course, I'm talking about God's written word, the Bible. It's in the Bible that we learn the most about the Lord Jesus Christ. So they remembered the word. And then secondly, the shepherds recognize that true joy has its source in God. That's something we need to preserve. We need to remember that true joy does indeed have its source in God. Now listen to this about Jesus. Jesus may not have been a master of politics or engineering or music. He never constructed a government, a bridge, or a symphony. But he did know how to live. Wow, what a life. He did construct a life. What did John say? John said, in him was life. What does that mean? You know, sometimes when we are reading advertisements, we read about a cruise to the Caribbean. And we think, boy, this is the life. What they say to us is, get rid of all your worries and your concerns and go with us on this cruise to the Caribbean. This is life, they say, but is it? Sometimes we have a party. Sometimes they're tame, sometimes they're wild, but then you'll hear people say, this is life, but is it? And then sometimes we'll be looking at a famous picture, and we'll say, that picture has life, does it? John says, in him was life. So what did he mean when he said, in him was life? Maybe you can get it from this illustration. There were two truckers, they were driving on different nights. They were driving, and they each went to this minister in Montana, and they gave the same story. Remember, they were driving on different nights. One said, I was going along and I cut the radio on and I heard about Jesus Christ. And he said, I pulled my rig over, stopped and gave my life to Christ and he changed me. The second one said the same thing. I was driving along and heard the message of Jesus and stopped, pulled my rig over and gave my life to Christ and he changed me. That's what Jesus does that's what it means in him as life. East Stanley Jones, when he met Christ, he simply said, I felt as if I had swallowed sunshine. I felt as if I had swallowed sunshine. And then thirdly, the shepherds were witnesses to their discovery. They were witnesses to their discovery. How important that is for us to remember that the shepherds could have just stayed there with the and listened to the angels sing. But what did they do? They took action they left, they searched out where the star led them, they went to the manger, they found the Savior, they took action, and that's what God calls us to do in our faith. He calls us always to take action. That's what we should be doing. In other words, we should be telling others about Christ. That's what they did. They told others about Christ. All right, then there's one other thing I want us to consider here. And that is that in all probability, the road back will determine the destiny of the world. Now, if we want this world to be any better in terms of the world or the community than it's been in the past, then we cannot afford to let the Christmas experience fade and get away from us. That is, if we want the world to be any better. I want you to keep in mind this... uh, experience that Richard Stearns had, he said that God called us to go forward, God called us to spread the gospel, God called us to be the gospel, and God calls us to change the world. That's the whole idea, we are to be witnesses to what God has done in the world. There was a a lady, I had a funeral of a lady one Christmas Eve, she was an amazing, joyful person. She and her late husband had lost both of their children to unfortunate tragedies. But what they had done through their generosity, they had educated 52 ministers and nurses. They had educated 52 ministers and nurses, and God had given them 52 other children besides the two boys that they had lost. Tell me God is not in that. This woman was a witness to her faith. Now, I want to sort of bring this to a conclusion by talking to you a minute about the man of La Mancha. Don Quixote was accused of being crazy. But you remember he asked the question, who's crazy? Am I crazy because I see the world as it could become, or is the world crazy because it sees itself as it is? Now, I thought a lot about that. Who is crazy? Is the person crazy who sees the world as it is, or is the person crazy who sees the world as it could become? I've decided that the person is crazy who fails to lift the rest of humankind. The person is crazy who fails to lift the rest of humankind. So we come to the manger and we come to worship and we leave and we get on the road back to live and to love and to lift and all for the sake of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, again, we offer you our thanks for this Christmas season and we thank you that you continue to come to us all the time, not just on a particular date, but every day of our lives. We ask, O God, that you'd help us to be open and receptive to receiving you again and anew. Thank you again for all your blessings. It's in your name. Amen. Let me again thank you for watching this ministry and sharing it with your friends. And I want to thank you for supporting this ministry by your prayers and your finances. We thank you very much, and we are committed to lifting up Christ that others can come to know him, and we are also committed to encouraging people to remind them that there is still God. Bless you and make you a blessing. Good night.